Hey everyone, let's ramble for a little bit. Let me present to you a line of thinking that I believe is logically and philosophically consistent if you're an atheist. Now, if you're an atheist, you believe that there is no God, the natural world is all there is, and that human beings are simply highly developed animals. One of the major principles in evolution is survival of the fittest. And we do observe this phenomenon in nature. Survival of the fittest means that the weaker animals in a species will die off due to disease or predation. This allows the stronger, fitter members of a species to reproduce and pass on their genetic information. And this process aids in the evolution of the species because only the most valuable genes for survival are passed on to the next generation. Now, we humans are an interesting species. We're at the top of the food chain. We have no more natural predators. Not only that, but with modern medicine and modern agriculture, we have greatly increased our abilities to survive things like illness and starvation. So as a result, the human population has absolutely exploded. Environmental scientists will tell us that there are too many of us. We are destroying the environment because of our demand for resources. But then comes along coronavirus. Now, if all people are, are highly developed animals, and there are way too many of us, well, wouldn't it be a good idea to just let the coronavirus run rampant and do its work? I mean, think about it. We do more violent culling with animals uh, all the time. Here's an example. Down in Texas, they have a big problem with feral pigs. These pigs have no natural predators, so their population has exploded, and they're doing damage to the environment and farmland. So, to combat the problem, we have decided to cull the population through hunting. It's open season on feral pigs down in Texas all year round, and there's no bag limit. You can go on a pig hunt down in Texas and shoot as many feral pigs as you want. Well, we humans are destroying the environment in a much more significant way than feral pigs, so why not let this virus call the population a little bit? And what's even better is that this virus is mainly going to get rid of the weak and elderly. Natural selection, you know. The medical experts tell us that young, healthy people aren't too badly at risk, so 
Why all this effort and loss of revenue to combat the virus? Let's let the natural process take place and reduce our population. Again, I believe this is a perfectly logical train of thought if you're an atheist. Humans are only animals. We cull animals all the time when their population gets out of control. The human population is out of control. Therefore, let's allow this virus to cull the weak and elderly from the population. Now, I imagine some of our listeners are a little bit sickened by this train of thought. But again, it is perfectly logical. So why do we have this sick feeling? Why are, why are we repulsed at the idea of allowing the population to be called? Why do we value human life so, so much? There must be some reason why everyone values human life. In fact, it's not only humans who value human life. God values human life. He values human life so much that he commanded us to preserve it when he said, you shall not murder. Let's get into the fifth commandment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Theological Ramblings. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Janish, and with me, as always, I have my co-hosts, Pastor Ross Henze. Hi, everybody. And Pastor Tom Fricke. Hello. So today we are discussing the fifth commandment, which says you shall not murder. Now, this commandment protects human life. And in order to understand how valuable human life is, I think we have to go all the way back to the beginning when human life was created. So Ross, could you summarize the accounts of when human beings were created and explain to the audience how God shows us that human life is so valuable in these accounts? Well, I think we all know that the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that God created the world in six days. Um, and he created the heaven and the earth, uh, sun, the moon, the stars, all of these different things. And then on the, on the sixth day, he created man. And the difference here is, is that he created, he created human beings in his image, in the fact that they had his likeness. They were perfect and holy, and they were also the ones who were given responsibility. They were to now rule over and care for the creation which God had made. And we see some of this when God uh, says to Adam, now I want you to name all the animals. So this is, God makes the human beings his crown jewel and now says to them, uh, I want you to rule over it. But the key thing is that they were created in the image of God and none of the other creations, none of the other animals were. So to summarize everything Ross said, we like to say human beings are the crown of God's creation. We are above the animals. Another thing we can point out that distinguishes us from the animals is that Jesus didn't die for the animals. He died for human beings. And as a further point, I want to introduce a term here. And that term is a person's time of grace. Tom, could you explain to the audience what we mean when we say a person's life here on earth is their time of grace? 
Well, the time of grace is a person's time to come to faith, to know Jesus, and to be saved. Or as the Catechism puts it, our opportunity to learn about God's love for us and all the blessings he's promised for those who believe. But that raises a question, uh, why doesn't God just take us home? Once we come to faith, once we believe in him, why doesn't the Lord take us home then? Because uh, that would serve us the best. I think we can expand the concept of the time of grace to include the fact that it is our time not just to come to faith and be saved, but also to serve God by serving the people that he's put into our lives. Yeah, thanks Tom. So with all that in mind, the fact that humans are the crown of creation, that Jesus died for humans, and that our life is our time to come to know Jesus and then to serve others, it's our time of grace. With all that in mind, we place extremely high value on human life. And we say the only one who has the right to determine when that life ends is God. In fact, God explicitly claims that right for himself. He says in Deuteronomy 32, uh, verse 39, See now that I myself am he. There is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. So God is the only one who has the right to end human life because it's so special. So as a follow-up question to all that, if God is the one who has the right to end life, what kind of actions and behaviors are we forbidden to engage in? Uh, we'll let Ross respond to that question first. Well, I think we need to refrain from anything that would hurt or harm our bodies or anything that would cause someone else to hurt or harm themselves as well. Of course, murder or abortion or uh, hatred or body shaming or... Uh, beginning to make fun of someone because maybe maybe they look different from us or they don't have the same mental or physical capacities that we that we have and you're starting to begin to point that out and then possibly cause someone else to feel bad uh, about who they are and how God made them. Thanks. Tom, anything you'd like to add? Sure, I could maybe just talk about uh, reckless behavior, careless behavior. We need to be thinking about other people and the kind of harm we could be causing them uh, simply because of our own carelessness. And the scriptures, particularly I think in the Old Testament, uh, talks about situations where unintentionally perhaps, but a person is responsible for somebody else's harm bodily, physically, because of negligence on their own part. We've got to be concerned about those kinds of things and the consequences of our actions there. Uh, also, situations where there is physical or sexual abuse. That is something forbidden by this commandment as well. Uh, probably uh, uh, it, it um, uh, overlaps with some things that we'll talk about under the Sixth Commandment. Um, uh, the kind of harm that we can do to our own bodies through uh, negligence or uh, inappropriate behaviors with our own bodies that uh, that cause harm to us. So these are the kinds of things that the fifth commandment also covers. Maybe not immediately evident when you see you shall not murder. Yeah, yeah. One one thing you mentioned was uh, you know uh, carelessness. You know, uh, an example nowadays. You know, back in the Old Testament, they said you got to make sure you tie up your bull. 
You know, it's your responsibility. In our day and age, we would say maybe something like, you got to make sure you don't text and drive. Yeah. You know, that's something we do to protect other people. So let's unpack a few of those things. Audience, as you can see, we can talk about a million things under the fifth commandment, but we're just going to key in on a few. I think a lot of us can say, obviously, that we've never killed anyone. But how does Jesus show that all of us are guilty of breaking the fifth commandment? Ross, why don't you take that one? I think the first thing that we need to understand that is a part of this commandment is hatred. Uh, Whoever hates his brother in his heart is guilty of murder, we're told. And when you begin to wish evil upon someone else, you are in essence breaking the fifth commandment. Um, you, you, oh, I hate that person, or I wish they were dead. You say something like that, you just found yourself guilty of breaking this commandment. And I think every single one of us at one time or another, you know, maybe we're a little bit too flippant with that uh, concept of hatred and just understand, you know, hey, that, that really is a sin against the fifth commandment. Yeah. Yeah, with God's law, it's a great equalizer. You know, we we might say, I'm not so bad. It's not like I've ever killed anybody. But no, when you really look at God's law, no, we've all broken this fifth commandment. And so here's another troubling issue I think that we should probably talk about. And that's the issue of suicide. So what does the fifth commandment say about suicide? Tom, we'll let you take that one. Well, the basic principle in the fifth commandment is that God is the one who gives life and only he or his representatives are those who have the right uh, to take life. And that includes uh, individuals taking their own life. Uh, We do not have the right to do that. Um, And so it's important for those who, who are undergoing some severe stress and maybe contemplating suicide to seek help. Um, so that's ultimately the, the scriptural principle is very simple, that God is the one who has the right to take a life and nobody else. Yep. Our lives are in God's hands, not our own hands. Yeah. Now, kind of unpacking it even a little more, the church's position and practice regarding suicide, I think we could say has changed over the years. In previous years, Churches maybe wouldn't have a funeral or a Christian burial burial for people who committed suicide. And the reasons, at least as I understand it, was that the person who committed suicide was, you know, demonstrating a lack of trust in God and didn't have time to repent of that sin. Ross and Tom, would you confirm that line of thinking that that's probably what was going on? Yeah. They're both nodding their heads, audience. So, um <laughs> So, however, even in my short time here at Trinity, we've had a number of Christian funerals for people who have committed suicide. So, Ross, could you comment on this? Is there hope for a person who has committed suicide? I can tell you that this, in dealing with suicide, it is probably one of the more difficult situations, not only... Uh, especially for the family because they are just uh, still dealing with shock and awe and then that question of where is my loved one right now and uh, our response here at Trinity has always been 
that no, we do not condone the action that this individual took, and we leave their eternal life in the hands of a just, holy, good, and gracious God. Um, what we what we what we don't know, there, there are just so many things we don't know. We don't know, was this a rejection of faith or is this someone who was weak in faith? Is this someone who is struggling with a mental illness or deep depression? There are so many things that we don't know. Uh, what we probably do know is, was that Christian a confessing person, a confessing Christian prior to this? And that's where the hope lies, is that this is a baptized child of God, a confessing Christian, and we leave their eternal life in the hands of, again, our good, gracious, and just God. And so usually what happens is in that funeral service, we, we really want to give everyone their hope. And the hope that we have is that all those who believe in Jesus to be their Lord and Savior have that gift, that comfort, that confidence of eternal life. And so the, in a funeral, the encouragement is really there for those who remain. Everyone, let's hang on to our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Ross. Yeah, it's, it's a very tough, tough issue to deal with. And this is just an invitation to the audience. If you know somebody who's struggling, reach out to them or let us know. We'll always be happy to help that person. So... Um, now, Ross and Tom, is there any other application of the fifth commandment that you think we should comment on right now for the sake of the audience? Tom, we'll let you go first. Sure. I'm thinking in uh, the wake of uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, the, the kind of military service that our veterans have provided and, and those who have lost their lives in the line of duty, it, it makes you think about uh, the killing in the line of duty that does occur through military service. It's requir required by, by a soldier's duty, by a military person's duty, uh, but it's very, very difficult to do. Uh, we think about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and how people are affected by uh, the terrible things that happen in military service and in other lines of duty in behalf of the government. Uh, PTSD is uh, something that uh, happens to you when, when something bad happens uh, that you have not much control over. There's also another kind of uh, uh, emotional issue that does or has been recently identified as being called moral injury, which is when you are called upon to do something awful in the line of duty because this is what you've been trained to do. Uh, your conscience says there is something wrong with this. I do not feel right in my heart that I've killed somebody and yet it was morally imperative that I do so because this is what I've been trained to do and this is what my duty has called me to do. And uh, people may struggle with those kinds of PTSD, traumatic stress issues or moral injury issues and uh, those people who have, have been placed in that situation because of their duty to their country uh, and they are struggling with these issues really need to be able to seek help for that kind of thing. Yeah, and maybe those moral injury people really do need to hear that message of Jesus' forgiveness. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else, Tom, or should we kick it over to Ross? To kick it over to Ross. <laughs> Uh, I, I think the one thing, I, Tom, uh, 
Tom mentioned it very briefly, uh, not eloquently, but not briefly. Uh, I think <laughs> the point that I'm trying to make that God is also given the right to take a life. He's given that authority to the government. And so, you know, we have uh, our U.S. military in just wars. Uh, you have self-defense. You have capital punishment. These are laws which have been in place now which are um, in keeping with government, which God has given authority to, that these things are permissible. Now, people can go back and forth about capital punishment. There's so many other things we could talk about here. I believe there's something like 17 states that have capital punishment. The state of Wisconsin does not. And that's because the voters have not voted it in. If the state of Wisconsin were to vote it in, then yes, then it would be legitimate and it would fall under the guidelines of God allowing this. But that's the freedom that we have in our country. And there are so many other things on this topic that we could talk about, but there's probably not enough time. Yeah, thank, thank you, Ross. Um, so audience, yeah, I'll just comment on that. Um, there is a million things we could talk about. We could talk about abortion, holding a grudge. We could talk about end-of-life issues. We could talk about quality-of-life issues. Um, the Fifth Commandment just has so many applications. So audience, uh, we could talk about, uh, you know, harming your your body, things like smoking or doing drugs or things like that. So audience, um, if you would like us to maybe tackle one of these issues, I would encourage you to just send me an email at p.janish at trinitybrilliant.org and perhaps we can dedicate a special episode to a particular application. But I think for now we just have to move on for the sake of time. Now, one of the things that this edition of the Catechism points out for every single commandment is that Jesus kept this commandment perfectly in our place. And praise be to God, we have a perfect record of keeping the commandments, including the fifth commandment, because Jesus gave us his perfect life. So Ross and Tom, could you give an example of when Jesus exemplified obedience to the fifth commandment in his life? We'll let Ross go first. Well, I think the, the thing that comes to mind immediately to me is the fact that he came to earth uh, and he took on a human body and he came here and he allowed the very people he came to save to beat him, mistreat him, and to finally put him to death. Uh, and this is what he did out of love for you and me. And the, the thing that just really sticks out to me is as he's on the cross and, and he prays, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're, because they don't know what they're doing. Uh, and yet he did, and he knew it was all part of his plan of salvation. So just the simple fact that he came here and he gave up his own life for all of us is such an amazing thing and the heart of our faith. Yeah. Thank you, Ross. Tom, what would you like to add? Well, I don't know that I have a lot to add to that, uh, but I do think of the fact that Jesus performed his miracles of healing. He had compassion on people. Uh, when Luther says uh, that we need to help and be a friend to our neighbor in every bodily need, that's exactly what Jesus did. The miracles that he performed, he did not ever perform for his own benefit. That was the temptation that Satan gave him in the desert 
uh, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus refused to do that, to do anything that was going to benefit himself. But when he saw people who were hurting, that's when he took action. And I think that's really significant. And then the fact that, you know, he allowed himself to be hated. He did not hate in return. He prayed for the people who hated him, nailed him to the cross. He allowed himself to be murdered uh, in order that we might gain the greatest good, both spiritually and physically, because it brings about the resurrection of our own bodies on the last day. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. One of my favorite examples is I love the story of uh, there's this woman and the Bible says she was bent over. So she has some kind of problem with her back and it's the Sabbath and uh, Jesus heals her and some Pharisees give him guff because he healed on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, come on, what's wrong with you? You know, this woman has been bound for 18 years by Satan and you're telling me she can't be freed on the Sabbath? You know, and Jesus just exemplified obedience to the to the fifth commandment. Thank you. All right. Now, we too, out of love for God, want to follow this commandment. In Luther's explanation to this commandment, it says not only do we want to refrain from hurting or harming our neighbor, but as we've said, we want to help and befriend our neighbor in every bodily need. So Ross and Tom, what are just some simple things or ways uh, in which our members could honor this commandment? We'll let Tom go first again. I, I think of two things. I think about your attitude. St. Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave us. Jesus shows us the way to, to just give ourselves an attitude adjustment in the way we think about other people. And that's going to lead naturally to the second thing, is that we see people in need, we want to help them out. Even at times, if it happens to be somebody we've had difficulty with in our personal relationships, maybe they haven't been the kindest to us, but we see somebody in need, we help people out in their everyday needs. And it's a marvelous thing that God has given us other people who have troubles and struggles. And uh, in one way, uh, we're able to testify to the love of our Savior by simply sharing uh, the, the, the kind of love he's shown for us to the people that he's placed into our everyday lives. Ross, what would you like to add? I, I think uh, Tom covered a lot of it. Uh, I, maybe I'll take a little spin off of it. Is And, and that would be, uh, not only do you want to help uh, anybody who might be in need because that is the Christian uh, Christian thing we do out of love but I think one challenge that we all need to take into consideration is that God has made us all different uh, we're, we're made different colors and shapes and sizes and personalities and we need to respect that about one another and recognize each other as a child of God and if we, we all need that encouragement, and I would encourage all the listeners because uh, to try to remember that because I can tell you that because that's something I need to remind myself about constantly is that God has made us all different, and that's okay. Yeah. And we now respect and love each other as a child of God. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could say it any better, so that's wonderful. To sum all this up, audience, we view human life as valuable. It is a gift from God, and we are to do our best to protect our own life and aid our neighbor's life. And ultimately, we remember that Jesus 
thought human life was so valuable that he gave us the greatest gift of all, which is eternal life. So until next time, God be with you.